BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code staple two zero. This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. Look, this will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I actually liked. I'd find a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's finally done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for without sacrifice. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than a 100 televisions which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything you need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in. Boys, huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but with me for usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxime. How's it going? It's going well. Matt, so look, I am hell fired up to talk about that game. You can only imagine how fired up I am. But let's get the uh, elephant out of the room or at least acknowledge Maxime is driving as we record. I mean, in a car. I don't think he actually has a wheel ahead of him, but <laughs> some, some additional challenges uh, for our master of all things video here. How you doing over there? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we're introducing a new segment. This is uh, the Blair Witch Project Part 2. Um, so I'm excited for all of the camera shaking that's going to go on. I think this is what everybody dreamed of when they heard that I was moving into the Master of All Things video in addition to sound. No, that's exactly right. We actually have two new uh, segments. One, the consistent Blair Witch moving, and then two, me throwing up live on air because I watched it. So, I mean, that's 
things to look forward to, Maxime. Dude, we got to talk about some fucking Warriors after a huge game to win. There is only one segment ahead of us today. It's the uh, glass half full. Look back at that game too. Free form. No specific questions we have to answer. We're just pulling things out we like and we don't. And I'll start this way. You know what I like, Maxime? Beating the motherfucking Lakers in a playoff game. So we touched on this kind of before when we were talking about the series at large and that I have manufactured hate for a series of teams during the dynastic run. Um, But... Nothing ever compared to this like inset decades level hate I've had for the Lakers forever. But if you're going to point out a downside, weird thing to say for the dynasty is that it happened to coincide with a period where the Lakers just weren't even around. We didn't get to like beat their ass in a playoff setting at all. So the first thing I enjoyed was finally getting to watch that team lose to our boys in the playoffs. So let's go. That's, that's how I'm starting the bidding. What do you got? Yeah, I love that. The only thing that I wish was different is that, you know, we were down in a uh, crypto, I guess it's called now, um, because that would have been just extra sweet. Uh, but it was, man, what a what a glorious uh, what a glorious win. You know, I was thinking about you a little bit because uh, you, you had to watch game one with so much angst um, with your sister. But here in game two, I mean, I was over at some friends houses and we were like talking light. It was easy. You know, his wife was there and she's like, you know, a, a casual fan. Um, and, uh, and she was down to talk about whatever. And she was talking about some fashion from like Zendaya on the sidelines. And, you know, I could, I could hang with that conversation because I just wasn't stressed out about the game. Yeah. Well, I mean, my, I find a way to insert angst into everything. And I felt a little angst in that first half. In fact, I'll share a story. Um, I was going to save it for down the line, but I'll give it to you now. So just in the first quarter, right? LeBron starts off hot. He's hitting those threes. He hit that, that ridiculous at the end of the shot clock thing and at one point before the Warriors started their dominant run they were down I don't know not much four or five but because I'm a psychopath I'm sitting there cooking watching by myself my wife is coming home a little bit late and I pause it turn off the tv and throw the controller into the couch like like just upset (laughs) then Erica comes home she sees that the tv is off and that I pause it and she throws me a softball you know, why have you paused it? Really what she's asking me is, did you do it for me? You know, it's this chance. It's uh, a softball question of like, yeah, sweetie, of course. I wanted to watch with you. And I'm such a psychopath, Maxime. I said, no, fuck them. They don't deserve to be watched. And then I turned it on and they had this huge comeback. But it wasn't without its craziness. Uh, back to Warrior stuff. Another thing I liked. To Michael Green. I, I, I have thrown a lot of nasty takes his way throughout the year. Um, I've done it directly to him. I gave Bob Meyer shit on not filling out roster spots that I thought could really help. And in a, in a quarter, he immediately made me change all of those opinions. I'm all the way in. He's the new Nemanja Bielitsa. Uh, I, I loved that he went six of nine and, and went for 15 points. I love that he stepped in for Loon when we needed him. You know, it sounded like Loon was a little under the weather. And then the unintended benefit, right? So, I mean, we they had to, if Loon was sick, they had to give Jamichael some burn. But one of the upsides of it is that his shooting forced AD to come out of the paint, you know? And so now all the passing lanes, everything was far more open. So Jamichael Green, another thing I liked. Yeah, who knew that he was going to be a 16-game uh, bench player or, I guess, starter at this point, right? It was uh, I was excited before the season started because I felt like him and Dante both filled um, just I- exquisite positions of need in the same way that we like signed Gary Payton last offseason, uh, and it really panned out for us. And I was a little bit disappointed by his lack of uh, you know strong performances throughout the regular season. But my God, we 
he, he, he stepped up when he needed him. And I also loved that, yeah, for sure, he, he forced Anthony Davis out of the paint a little bit, and then it ended up being us bucket up the paint more than them, which was fantastic. But I loved also that they weren't totally sure, right? Like, part of their game plan, I think, was, well, either they didn't know what to do with Jermichael Green, or they said, well, he's not been great, so we can sag off of him and dare him to take shots. They dared him, and he made those shots, so... It was just a great time. I was I was cheering for him hardcore. They weren't positive. Every time he shot the ball, I wasn't positive. I was ready to, to <laughs> rage pause the game again. But uh, again, <laughs> he proved me wrong. Also worth following up. Exquisite positions of need. Sounds like another A24 show on Netflix. I would definitely <laughs> watch that. And it would be dark as shit. And, you know, oh, like, yeah. somewhat foreboding. Um, I'll give you another thing I liked about Jamichael Green. If we have that clip from him, go ahead and play it here. This is Jamichael following... Uh, his performance and at the press table. No, they always tell me to stay ready. You know, uh, said so they always they seen this before and that uh, my time will come. And you know, our first series, you know, I was kind of struggling with it, but um, we had a team meeting and Steph, he said some powerful words and uh, it kind of got me locked in, let go of everything, and just all about the team. So, a couple things there, right? One that he stayed ready. Um, I would not be capable of that. I would be mentally weak. I'd be deep in my feelings. And if they came to me late, I'd be super pissy. So that he did that, it's incredible. But the other thing I liked about that quote and Jermichael is that it's another angle for me to appreciate Steph Curry, man. So we haven't actually read it into this mic, and I'm sure people are aware of it. But Jermichael referenced right there a speech that he heard from Steph that, that you know galvanized him, that got him ready to rock. And there's this incredible story from friend of the podcast, Marcus Thompson II, came out right before Game 7. And I'm going to read you a quick excerpt for it here. I, I've, I've had this in my phone for the last few pods, and we just didn't have a, an excuse. And I didn't want to steal the thunder from MT2, but it's now come out in a bunch of different ways, so I feel confident. Here it is. Quote, according to multiple sources in the private session, Curry told the team he believed in them that they had enough to win. He asked for their trust in return. He assured them he would deliver victory if they all bought in. He implored them to put all of their feelings aside, which sources with knowledge of the locker room felt was messaged directly at Poole, Kaminga, and other guys who might have been unhappy for reasons such as playing time and role, and to lock in to a unified mission. Anyone who wanted to remain in their emotions, he told them to stay home. Anyone who was ready for their vacation, he told them not to get on the bus for Sacramento. But anyone who did get on that bus... Curry took that as a signature of approval, a binding agreement to be on board with the mission. And if they did that, if they got on the bus, he promised he'd deliver. With his game, his faith, their solidarity, they'd win. So look, dude, two things. One, what happened after that? A fucking 50 spot on Sacto's head. But two, it, we just heard from Jamichael. This is, this is still there, this, this setting of the tone, this whatever it is that you can give us. If it's just supporting us on the bus, if it's coming in on a spot start and going six of nine, whatever it is, buy in. And, you know, dude, that's leadership. There's just there's no other way to put it. This guy is the foundational star of a fucking dynasty. Hell, hell yes. And I mean, I, that was such a I just pulled up the article while you were talking through it um, just to give, uh, you know, even though it says the athletic staff, I think. uh um, oops, that's not even the right one. So screw that. But just giving Marcus Thompson his uh, his praise there because I've been enjoying reading him a ton. Friend of the show, Marcus Thompson, and uh, um, this is just such a fantastic article, and it was so cool to get that insight and see how you know see it propagate out. And I think we're not even going to hear the last of it, you know, if and especially if this ends up being a long postseason run, uh, this is going to be one of the flashbulb moments for sure. 
Fuck yes. Ah, shit. Some other quick hitters, dude. What else do I like? I like having Spider-Man and uh, Zendaya at the game. I just said, I, you know, F LA and their celebrities. We got big deals here too. I like just seeing them <laughs> in the crowd. Um, I liked big Clay Thompson games. I mean, how far are we going to go before we say that? It's so great having them back in my life. And we've said this too. There's something that's just fun and unpredictable about a Clay heater. Uh, this reveals how much of a nerd I am. My apologies in advance. But I was thinking about it. A Steph heater feels like watching like Captain America go off. You know, it's it's all it's it's predictable. It's phenomenal. It it follows a very specific course. Clay going off is like a Deadpool movie. It's like it's zany and a little bit strange and way more entertaining. <laughs> and I'm just I'm fucking on board. And from the moment that the second three pointer went in, and you could kind of tell Chase Center was ready to watch him go off. Um, it, yeah, just just incredible stuff. And plug for the YouTube channel. We are currently hey. watching the highlight reel that Maxine put together for that channel. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give us something I don't like. I don't like dirty ass Dennis Schroeder and his knee grabbing ways. Um, so give me what, how'd you experience that, man? I, I, is it common foul? Like, I, what'd you leave thinking? I, no, are you kidding me? I, I, I was, I was like, okay, okay. It's definitely a flagrant two, but given Draymond and all this history or whatever, maybe they'll call it a flagrant one instead. The fact that they went and looked at it and then what, you know, decided it was still a common foul. I mean, that felt like the most obvious, ridiculous, I, I don't know, I, it, it threw me for a loop. That was the one time in the whole game that I, I just yelled at the television. I mean, I'm to the point now where I kind of expected after they reviewed it that they'd come back and call a flagrant two on Draymond. I'm surprised that they haven't fucking suspended him. You know, like Dumar is like, yeah, we looked at this and based on past activity, we're pretty sure he put his knee into Schroeder's hand. Uh, the, the thing that was bullshit to me, and so we talked about this when we kind of did the tongue-in-cheek, what's the dirtiest play so far in the playoffs? But it's the justification, right? If, if you sat down and you asked Schroeder, what's the basketball play? You know, what are you doing, dude? Like, why why'd you do that? What's his response? Draymond didn't have the ball, so he wasn't going for the ball. He's trying to get around him on a, on a screen, and he pulls the inside of his leg. There, I... There is no, there's nothing he could say that would make it a basketball play, which means by definition, it's dirty. What the fuck are you doing? hundred percent. I mean, I feel like the closest I get to is he's doing some parkour shit. You know, he, maybe he's been like practicing running around uh, an elementary school and like grabbing flagpoles as he like flips around. But it's like, this is, there's no flagpoles on the basketball court. I found that to be so heinous. I mean, he le like legitimately could have injured Draymond and that's not me being a homer. That's just like, you're pulling on the knee. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. I'm glad that Draymond's not hurt. It was such a ridiculous play. It was such a ridiculous play. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Some other stuff I like. Um, I like that we survived a big LeBron half. You know, he, he hits them. I told you, he hits those first couple of threes. I lose my ire. I, mean, I can't even watch for a couple of seconds. And it kind of felt like, well, if he's hitting the three, he hit that end of the shot clock three that, that banked in. Ugh. And I started thinking like, well, it's one of those games. You know, like, uh-oh, we've got a LeBron game coming. And despite the fact that he was hot as shit, they still took a 27-point ass beating. In fact, another thing I liked, I loved the image of AD and uh, LeBron on the fucking bench during the fourth quarter, especially when juxtaposed when they talked to AD after game one. And I'll I'll paraphrase here. But essentially what he says, they asked him, you know, what do you attribute such a great game to? And he basically said is, I'm great. You know, what do you mean do I attribute such a great game to? Like I, when I'm healthy, this is what I always aspire to. And to have that next game be a dud you know it's like well i guess you're not always great man let's settle down on breaking your arm to pat yourself on the back yeah and 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 my bad i got to apologize to west because game one wasn't lebron's best performance he actually went for 23 last night instead of 22 so uh yeah just pointing out sure he had a great first half but he had two points in the second half and we shot him up so I don't know. Jury's still out on that one. I love that kind of secretly you're almost as petty as I am. That these things that like that it's in there, that it did bother you that we called you out on that, that like somewhere you're angry that we think you're a cheater. You know, like, I mean, just all that stuff is still bouncing around, which is so fantastic. I Well, this just got doubly worse because you said we called you out on that, which means that clearly you're on Wes's side. And I don't know how I feel about that, Bram. That, that's uh, new information to me. This is this is not subjective. I'm giving you a documentary. It's what you said. You, I mean, I've recently listened to that podcast. And it's 100% exactly what you said. Back to things I like. I like that. We still haven't had the Steph game. It's coming. It is coming. You might have multiple Steph games, you know? And we saw it's not that he didn't have a gigantic impact. They put the ball in his hands, they let him initiate. That was kind of one of the big flips they had for game two. And because of that, I think he ended up with like 12 or 13 assists and, you know, was the distributor that we needed. But we also know there's a 40 spot coming. Um, and that we are already tied going back and still on pace for what I thought. I still say Warriors and six, um, that we still have the Steph game in pocket is satisfying, let's say. Well, 100%. And I love seeing a different, you know, that there are one dimensional players, right, that are really fantastic at, at a certain skill set. 
Um, and maybe for a game or two or even a series, they could really capture the attention of the NBA. But I love that Steph is capable, as capable of being a fantastic, you know, a Ricky Rubio style just distributor and not stressing about needing to get his points in order to impact the game in such a high way. I mean, that's the like, you know, it's the definition of a leader across all points. And I feel like he's almost putting his money where his mouth is saying like, hey, we need you all to step up in that game seven locker room talk. Um, and then here he is making it happen. So, yeah, I I. Uh, I can't wait for that 40 spot, and I'm also just tremendously satisfied that he's impacting the game the way he is, even if that doesn't come for another couple. Dude, add the word unselfish, right? Think about setting here, too. I mean, it's not just that he's in the playoffs. It's not just that the world is watching. It's that it the world is watching in the playoffs the Steph versus LeBron show. That's how this thing is being um, sold everywhere. You watch the pregame. They do that camera angle where it's a tight shot of somebody taking pregame shots, and then it backs up, and you see LeBron in the background, and it was Steph in the foreground. The whole thing are these two constantly juxtaposed. And in a setting like this, in this setting, that they went to him and said, all right, we want you to be you know, a distributor, to have less sexy stats to help us win. And he had no problem taking that step back. It, you know, just another, this is a, a, another chapter in a book we have been reading you know, for, for 15 years now. I mean, none of this is a surprise but it's always a delight, if that makes any sense, man. We're just lucky to have this dude in our life. Um, you know who else we're lucky to have? Moses Moody. I, I, his step back crossover three on LeBron yes. was one of my favorite moments in a game that was chock full of them. And that he is now slowly coming out and becoming the very guy we thought he might be way back in October when we first started talking about this, incredibly satisfying, which leads to the last thing I don't like, the way they're using JK. It's breaking my heart, Maxine. Yeah. I don't like it, dude. I, I know he got time yesterday, but it was walk-on time. You know, it's the kind of time that's almost worse than not playing. The yes. like, look, it's over. So, hey, get out there. We got to mop up these minutes anyways. It could be the towel boy, but let's go with you. Uh, and I, I <laughs> don't like that's what they're doing. I believe in Kaminga's fucking future. I believe in his present. I'm sure. I mean, Kerr knows how to um, bring home a championship in a way that I never will. I've never coached at any level. I do not know what I'm talking about. I couldn't even, you know, I don't always make the fantasy playoffs, dude. I'm not the guy you want to ask. But I, I am, I don't know, fairly good with like people and reading things and, and getting a sense on personalities. And there's no way this isn't killing JK. There's just no way. And I'm worried they're going to lose him. Yeah, I, and I, I want to address both Moody and JK. So if you don't mind, I'll take them in reverse. Um, I, the, the, I felt I spent most of the first half with like Jermichael Green taking shots and Moody taking shots. And, and, and some just sort of, I think, generally chaotic play on both ends of the floor saying, oh, no, more often than not when the ball would launch out of somebody's hands, right? Expecting it to go in for the Lakers, expecting it not to go in for the Warriors. And I think that step back three was the moment I said, oh, no, for the last time. I said, OK, you know what? I got to start trusting this. I can't be saying the same thing every time the ball goes up. That's that's annoying for the people around me. Um, and uh, it feels really good to put my faith in Moses Moody, and he keeps delivering. But Jonathan Kaminga, I mean, when you said it's worse potentially than having him not play at all, I think so too from the standpoint of him wanting us wanting for him to prove his value in a playoff context. He did not look great out there, frankly, right? He didn't look like he was paying attention. Uh, he was like a little bit out of position. He was like over, over, uh, over 
reaching on certain plays, just trying to make some impact in garbage time. How, you know, I, you can't blame the dude, right? The game's already over. You don't need to focus anymore. It's it's a completely different context. The crowd isn't involved anymore. You know, you you don't need to impact winning. The game has already been won, and and it 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 makes me really sad because it feels like he's digging a deeper hole that he needs to now get out of than if he hadn't played at all. And I don't know if that's true for his own morale. Um, sometimes just getting out there and running up and down the court, from what I understand, is is uh, is helpful for people. But shit, man, like I want this dude to be able to impact the game, and I think that he can. And I don't think that he took a step forward last night. I wish they would give him what I'll call gong show minutes. And I'm I'm dating myself. This actually goes back even before I was watching television. But there used to be a show, like a talent show, essentially. They'd they'd bring people up, and you'd you'd drop your talent. And if the judges hated what you were doing, they'd hit a big gong, and your act would be over right then. Boom, done. You wouldn't finish it. It's just it. Off, Off you'd go. Gong show minutes, in my mind, are at least give him a shot. You know, give him a short leash. That's fine. You know, let him play to the gong. If, if he has enough mistakes where we got to rip him off the floor, then that's what happens. But I, I think at this stage, he at least deserves that two to three minutes of burn to figure out if he can help us, especially against a team that is as big as the Lakers. We could use his size. So, you know, this is picking nits. You know, the, we, the 27 point, absolutely dominant, completely needed victory. And I couldn't be more happy. And I'm, I'm, you know, the sun was brighter for me today. Roses smelled better. I mean, all of that stuff. I'm, I'm in a phenomenal mood and couldn't be happier. But what's going on with JK, I don't like. And, and I hope that they can find some way to pacify him. I'm, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. Um, worth hedging here. One skill set. You know, I've, I've said that Kerr isn't great at developing players. I'll stick by that. But I'll also say that he is great at locker rooms. Great. And so hopefully he's using that skill set with JK. And so is Andre is whispering sweet nothings in his ear. And maybe that finally justifies Andre's slot. Um, but it, it's, I don't know, man. It's, it's the only downside to an otherwise great night. Yeah, yeah, but let's not dwell on it, right? Because I think uh, it's crazy that we got, what, 10, 11 minutes into this podcast before talking about Clay Thompson. I mean, that was a majestic vintage performance, and that's what I want to go out thinking about because uh, that's going to carry me through all the way until tomorrow's game and probably beyond. It just felt so good to see one of my favorite players of all time light up like that. It's just such a smashing of joy. You know, it's just like every time he has the ball, even when he forces up those terrible three-pointers and it goes in, and we've we've conditioned ourselves now when it's like the third or fourth bad three-pointer, but you know it's going in, that's that Deadpool moment. You know, like he's he's acting crazy. He's not doing what he should be doing, but it's entertaining as shit, and it works. So let's go. Hell, hell yes. And that's the difference between your stock movie and a movie like Deadpool that was exciting and entertaining and had all of the stuff. It's like, it's just different. And that's why I love Warriors basketball. Dude, I appreciate you jumping on the Deadpool analogy. I'm not sure I landed that plane. I've tried twice now and it feels like I'm just <laughs> off. You know, like I like I, I hit the landing strip and then kind of spinned off into the, the field. But I mean, we're all we're all safe. It, it somewhat worked. Um, Maxime, last question. Updated prediction. So I'm, I'm staying steady. I've said it in the beginning. I've said it after one. I'll say it after two. Warriors and six. Warriors and six. Let's go. I'm feeling better and better about it with each game. Yeah, let's go, man. Enjoy your drive. Um, this is where we would normally do a plug for our various social media shots. Instead of telling you our email, social media, nothing else, we're going to focus on the brand new segment you've brought to the YouTube channel, man. So you guys know that we've been working with Tony 
Tony's a coach. Uh, Tony Frasero has worked with a lot of people, developed a lot of talent, and is the kind of basketball mind that can break down plays. So we're introducing this thing called Coach's Corner with Tony. It's up on our YouTube spot. Uh, go to YouTube, search Warriors Huddle. And what he does is bring us through various plays and explains things in a way that we wouldn't otherwise be able to see. And the first one he did was Jordan Poole's last shot in game one. And what he's explaining is that it was a good shot, that we should all be happy with it. So if you want to check that out, it can be found up on YouTube. With that in mind, go Warriors! Hopefully, see you real soon. Good, good. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.